be reading Jeremiah 27 through 11. O Lord, thou hast deceived me, deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Every one mocketh me. For since I spoke, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart, as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with the bearing, and I could not stay. For I heard the, de the defaming of many, fear on every side, report, say they, and we will report it. All my familiars watched for my halting, saying, Preadventure he will be enticed and will shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible terrible one, therefore my precursors shall stumble, and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. Sorry, I'm having a hard time seeing today. The word's too small. <laughs> appreciate Brother Ronnie reading that text for us, and he was having a little trouble with his eyes, but he he persevered, and we talked in class this morning about having patience and persevering on, and thank you so much for that, Brother Ronnie. You know, 2020 has kind of been a rough year for us. It hasn't been something that uh, I don't think any of us will want to repeat it anytime soon. You know, we've been faced with some health scares, some financial trouble, and just life interruption, it seems like, from one side to the other. But here's the good news. It's November. <laughs> Year's almost over, right? Now, I'm not uh, wishing time away. I'm just looking for some relief. And I think that's what all of us are looking for. But uh, is that really kind of the best attitude to have just I'm looking for the year to, to get over with. And I began to think about me thinking that. And I thought, well, I don't know if that's really the way to go about thinking about this. Because after all, really, brethren, here's the thing. 2020 is not different than any other year. Oh, the, the problems have been different. The problems have certainly been different. They may have impacted us a little more than normal. But really, it is just uh, problems that we have to face in this life that we have to get through. And we have to continue on doing what we are doing. I was thinking about events that I don't like. And ultimately what I decided is I'm going to continue to fight against the things I disagree with. I'm going to prepare for the things that are going to come my way. And the things I have no control over, I'm going to allow God to take care of that. I'm going to allow Him to handle it in the best way that He sees fit. And I think that's good advice for everyone. Christians have to be very careful not to allow themselves to become discouraged to the point where they quit. Have you ever heard the name Clint Courtney? 
Clint Courtney is, was a former Major League Baseball player. Now, if you haven't heard of him, don't bother calling Cooperstown because he was far from uh, going into the, the Hall of Fame. In fact, I doubt that he ever ended up on a bubblegum card. He probably was never on one. Uh, in fact, he wasn't a legend in his own time. He wasn't even a legend in his own mind. But what he was was a memory maker for his family and for a few diehard fans who supported the Orioles in the 1950s because he was their catcher. Uh, and throughout his career as a baseball player, he earned a very unique nickname. They called him Scrap Iron. They called him Scrap Iron. They called him that because he was hard, he was weathered, and he was tough. Now, old Scrap, he didn't break any records, but he broke a few bones. But he was tough. He persevered. He kept going. He didn't have a lot of power or speed on the bases. He didn't uh, have a lot of grace or style. In fact, he made the easiest plays look very difficult. But Scrap Iron never turned away from a challenge. He just kept right on going. didn't matter how bad he felt. didn't matter how run over he got on, on home plate. He just simply got up and he carried on. A lot of the times a batter would would miss a ball and hit him on the shin. Sometimes they would foul off a, a baseball and it would hit him on the, at the end of the elbow. But he'd just grab his elbow. He'd grab up his mitt. He'd uh, punch it a time or two right in there and then he would nod to the pitcher and say, throw another one. He was tough. The game would go on and so would Courtney. They said that he would get up, scarred, bruised, clutching his arm, wearing tape, splints, braces, and other things that reminded you of a wounded soldier uh, who had uh, had been to war. But you know, a lot of people made fun of him, calling him a masochist, but for a few folks, they saw him as a true champion. Now, I think Christians need to toughen up a little bit. I think we need to toughen up a little bit. I don't know that Courtney is... Uh, the guy to look to. I think he's a good example of being tough in this life, but I think we need to look at, to, to some folks who were tough, spiritually speaking, and I think Jeremiah is a good example of that. Jeremiah was tough, and uh, when we look at Jeremiah, he had every reason to quit according to those who were not being faithful to God, but he didn't quit. He didn't quit. He took his lumps and his bruises, and he got up, he dusted himself off, and he continued on doing what God wanted him to do. There's one thing, though, about Jeremiah that I think we often overlook. Jeremiah wanted to quit. Jeremiah wasn't some superhuman person that wasn't affected with the events of this life. He wasn't above the normal mindset of becoming discouraged. He was discouraged. He wanted to quit. He wanted to go home and stop doing what he was doing. In fact, he said, I'm not ever going to mention the name of God to those people who are mocking me ever again. But people want to quit a lot of the times, don't they? People want to quit. Is it wrong to have that idea of wanting to quit? People want to quit on their families. They want to quit their jobs. Yeah, and they even want to quit the church. But they don't. They don't because they know better and they persevere for better days. You see, that's what Jeremiah 
did. Yeah, he was a little discouraged. He wanted to quit, but he didn't quit. He just kept right on going. He felt like he wanted to quit. But the thing is, he didn't. And so to better prepare ourselves for those days, much like this year's been, something that is discouraging, I want us to look at a portion of Jeremiah's life. The title of the sermon this morning is The Fire in Jeremiah. Jeremiah had a fire in him, and as we look at the life of the prophet, I want us to be encouraged by his dedication to never throw in the towel, to never quit. And here is the thing that we need to understand living in today's world. He's faced things that we will never face, most likely. He kept going even during the worst events that anyone could could face. That doesn't mean it wasn't a struggle for him, and I think that's why it's so encouraging to look at him and to study what happened because he did struggle. He did struggle, and I want us to begin with this idea, and our first point is his complaint. He had a complaint, and he complained to God. He said, it's too hard. It's too. Have you ever thought it's too hard? Have you ever thought, well, I I just can't keep going with this, whatever it was. It's just too hard. I just can't keep doing this. And But he was persuaded, wasn't he? When we look at his early life here, he was persuaded by God to be a prophet. At first he was reluctant, but when he came to better understand what God had in mind with him, he carried on with it. He said, okay, I'm going to embrace this. He... When he understood what he needed to do, it was it was useless for him to resist because he couldn't help it. He was going to do what God wanted him to do, and that's how we ought to feel about it. We might want to want to quit. We might not want to carry through with some of the things that God expects us to do, but it better be useless to resist it because we can't help ourselves but do what God wants us to do. That's what he expects. That's what he expects, and we need to study to the point where we understand as much as we are able the mind of God and to understand what he wants from us. I think this is the first example that we ought to follow. Jeremiah had a fire inside of him. He said, I can't contain it. But God's still calling. He called Jeremiah, and he's still calling people today. That's the thing we have to understand in, in, the, in the appropriate way. He's calling us through the gospel and he expects us to embrace it. Is it going to be easy? No, the gospel's not easy. The Christian life isn't easy, but in comparison to everything else in the world, in comparison to the reward that we gain, it's absolutely easy. I think Jeremiah would tell us that very thing today. If we were able to speak with Jeremiah, talk to him in paradise and say, Jeremiah, was it worth it? Oh, was it worth it? Was it hard? Well, I thought it was hard, but it wasn't. It wasn't hard at all. Paul said, Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. See, it is the gospel that is the power of God, and it is through that gospel that he told the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2.14, that's how God calls us. He's called us through His power unto salvation, the gospel. So He's still calling us today. 
But where did that get Jeremiah in life? Someone might ask, well, well, accepting the call and not being able to control yourself, that you're going to be faithful to God, you just can't help but do it. Where did that get Jeremiah? Ridicule, mistreatment, heartache, everything he didn't want in this life happened to him. And like Jeremiah, sometimes we might think it's too hard. It's just too hard. Surely God doesn't expect me to do that. Well, Jeremiah said, I'm in derision every single day. Everyone mocks me. Everyone mocks me. He couldn't say anything without them making fun of him. Oh, trouble on every side. Trouble on every side. Here comes Mr. Trouble. Everything he says is just terrible. You know, there is a problem with allowing that mindset to flourish, though. Here's the thing. God never said it would be easy. He didn't promise us an easy life as a Christian. Jesus said, my burden is light. But that's in comparison to eternity, to the reward, right? To the reward. If someone were to invest a large sum of money, let's say someone, if they had it, invested a million dollars in something. Is a million dollars a lot of money? I don't know anybody that would say, oh, that's nothing. Now, if I pick out a quarter out of my pocket, and I don't want to throw it away, but, if you know, now that's not very much money. If you lost a dollar, listen, nobody's going broke over, over a $100 bill. I don't care who you are. Okay? Now, that's a lot of money. I don't want to lose $100, but in the big scheme of things, if someone subtracts $100 from what you are, that's not really going to affect you that much, okay? But let's say we got a million dollars and we invest that in something. That's a large amount of money. But what if it made you $10 million? And someone says, was it worth it? Oh, yeah. Was that million dollars much money? Well, it's not as much as it was because now I've got $10 million. You see, that's what, that's what God expects us to understand. He never promised that life would be easy. In fact, he promised the, the opposite. We go over to Luke 6, verse 22. He said, Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. They, they don't even want to have anything to do with you. Oh, that's that crazy guy Jeremiah over there. Oh, trouble, trouble on every side. Well, what if someone says, oh, wait a minute, here comes that guy that you work with and all he wants to do is talk about God. All he wants to do. And that may not even be the case. It may be the fact that he simply prays before he eats. It may be the fact that when he's on break or at lunch, he's reading from the Bible. It may be the fact that someone asked him a question and he answered the question. But these people standing around mocking and deriding, he said, all he wants to talk about is the Bible. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. If he wants to talk about the Bible, I encourage him to do that, and we ought to, but that might not even be the case. But see, they're mocking and reviling. Christ warned those who would become Christians. He said, you know, you need to think about this. You need to sit down, and you need to consider the hardships, right? You need to consider the cost of living for him, Luke 14, 28 through 30, and that's the the parable of counting the cost, and we're very familiar with it. You know, you need to you need to go to war, you need to count the cost. How many men you need? You're going to build a tower, you need to understand how much money you need so you can finish it. Count the cost. 
If we're going to be Christians, we need to count the cost. Am I going to be able to get it to the finish line? Or am I going to stop and be worthless in the sight of God because if you stop building your tower, you can only build a foundation. People mock and make fun of you. Because see, you weren't using your mind very well. You weren't doing the smart thing, right? You're, you're a king, you go to battle, and you don't take enough men? Well, what kind of, what kind of general does that? I remember General Schwarzkopf talking about Saddam Hussein. He said, he is not a general. He's not a tactician. He mocked him. He made fun of him. He said, he really doesn't know anything about it. See, we don't want to be that. We need to count the cost. See, if we commit to Christ and then stop, we look foolish to God. And that's not what we want to do. That's why Paul asked those in Galatia, Galatians 5 verse 7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? See, we back up to Galatians 5, 4. They fell from grace because they were going back to the old law. He, he said, you ran well. You were doing really well. Who convinced you to leave God? See, we have to be careful about that. He was not speaking about the initial obedience to the gospel because they were Christians. That's where the letter was written to. He was talking about maintaining that faithfulness, counting the cost, finish the building, go to war with the right amount of people, do what God asked you to do. You know, at first, Jeremiah thought the job was too hard. But here's why. He thought the message was too harsh. They won't listen to me. It fell to the prophet to deliver, to deliver God's judgment to the people. Now think about this. That's Israel. That's, that was Jeremiah's country. Those were his countrymen. He loved the people. He loved the nation. But you know, the message was unpopular and because of the message, they hated Jeremiah. It wasn't poor Jeremiah's fault. He was just delivering the message. How often have we heard, you know, don't kill the messenger. Don't kill the messenger. Well, isn't that what they did to Jesus? They killed the messenger. They killed all the prophets and uh, Acts chapter 8, Stephen gave that wonderful sermon to the people. He said, you're stiff-necked. Which of the prophets didn't you kill? <laughs> they couldn't name one. So they hated Jeremiah. But listen, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. That's why Jeremiah is such a great example. Paul warned in his letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, beginning with verse 3, he said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. I think I can understand, and you can too, Jeremiah's feelings toward the task. It just looked insurmountable. What, what am I going to do? It's a whole nation of people, right? He loved the city. He loved the people. He knew that God's message was true, but it was harsh. And he told, uh, he told the people that God said, I've got to deliver this, and I've got to warn you, you're going into captivity. And this is what's going to happen when Nebuchadnezzar comes to town. After you read a little bit about Jeremiah, it's very clear why they call him the weeping prophet. He wept over the people. But our task is not that different. It's been 
demanded of every Christian to do the same thing. Deliver the message. That's all we have to do. Deliver the message. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, Matthew 28, even during a terrible year like we are experiencing right now. But what if the the message we deliver is not uh, accepted? What if the message is mocked? What if people reject us? What if one day we're put into prison like Jeremiah was, was? What if we have to deliver this message to family and friends who don't want to hear it? See, now it becomes a lot more personal to us, right? Not too awfully long ago, a couple years ago, or whatever it was, we did a, a canvassing campaign in our area, and Greg and Holly were, were uh, verbally abused. They were run off. Uh, they didn't even go to the, to the lady's house. She just met them at the street, cursing them and, and talking ugly to them. She wasn't interested. I remember during that same campaign, Nicole and the girls and I were out, and they had dropped me off, and I went up to the corner, and they went up, and they were going into another place, and I stepped up onto the, the patio, and before I could get a word out of my mouth, the fella run me off. He said, look, I don't want to hear it. You need to leave. I said, well, I'm not here to bother you. And I just turned around and left. So what if that happens? What do we do? We fold up our tent, go to the house and say, forget it, because that's what Jeremiah wanted to do. He's tired of being mocked. He said, I'm not ever going to mention the name of God to you people again. But he couldn't help himself. He couldn't help himself. He had a complaint about carrying out God's task. But even after accepting the challenge, he had restraint. He went from having a complaint to saying, okay, I'll do it. And then we see his restraint. He said, but I don't want to do it much. <laughs> I don't want to do it much. Remember, it was too hard. The message was too harsh. And after having getting, getting started, having gotten started, he wanted to quit. He wanted to quit. He said, I've had enough. He wanted to stop being a prophet. It wasn't for me. It, it, you know, I want to go back to the life I had before. Have you, ever, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever talked to someone and they talked ugly to you? Whatever it was about. Maybe you were, uh, your particular job, you had to interact with people and someone talked ugly to you on the phone or in person. You say, you know, this is really not for me. I just don't want to have to put up with that. And I understand it. No one wants to have to put up with that. But see, this is different. This is different. Jeremiah said, I'm not going to mention your name again. I'm not going to talk about you. And his life would have been a lot better, right? Or so he thought at, at the first. See, that's very similar to what we talked about a few moments ago. People wanting to quit. Want to quit their families. Want to quit their jobs. They want to quit the church. But you see, here's the thing, and this is why Jeremiah is a great example. He didn't have it in him to quit. He didn't have it in him to quit. His fire burned too hot, and it would not be quenched. He just couldn't stop it. He loved God that much. His desire to quit was a lot harder than he thought, right? Easier said than done. He couldn't ignore God's message. He couldn't ignore the message to him from God. And he couldn't ignore the message he had to deliver. He said it was like a fire shut up in his bones and he could not contain it. Now listen, when we get over to Matthew chapter 5 verse 6, that's exactly the hunger that Jesus was talking about. Those who hunger and thirst 
after righteousness. It better be like a fire. It better be like a fire shut up in your bones and you cannot contain it. An uncontrollable urge to do what God asked you to do and to love Him because you understand what's going on, right? It's that very fire that allows one to give an answer to every man that asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, 1 Peter 3, 15. It's that fire that does that. When that happens, we show ourselves to be that chosen generation, 1 Peter 2, 9, that royal priesthood, that holy nation, a special people that proclaim the praises of God who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. All those things combined will bring one to an understanding. We may at times have a complaint. There may be some restraint in our lives. We may say, you know, I'm going to be a Christian, but not a lot. Listen, everybody's face that you've been in a situation where everybody has, has peer pressure problems, right? I don't care who you are. May not affect you enough to even really consider it, but it's there. You may be in a situation where you say, you know, this is kind of a bad deal right here. I want to be faithful and I want to be be a Christian, but not a whole lot right now. I just don't want to say much about it. Look, that's not what God expects. That's not what God expects. God didn't expect Jeremiah to go home and be faithful to him, offer the right sacrifices or take the right sacrifices to to wherever he needed to take them and do that and then head back home and say nothing about it. That's not what he wanted. And that's not what he expects. We have to have the blessings that come along with being a saint. You have the complaint, the restraint, and this is our third and final point. The blessings that come with being a saint. You belong to God. He's always going to be present. He's not going anywhere. He's not going to leave us. Verse 10 tells us what the enemies of Jeremiah were doing. They started a whisper campaign against him. They started a whisper campaign. They encouraged other people to keep an eye on that prophet. Watch him. Even his familiar friends joined in on that. Was that discouraging? It had to be. How did Jeremiah respond to those bad times? Here it is. He said, the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. No matter what happens in this life, Jesus will always be with us, Matthew 28, 20. Paul celebrated Philippians 4, 13, saying, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The writer of Hebrews said, Jesus would never leave us nor forsake us, Hebrews 13, 5. And because of that, the enemies of God will never prevail. Why? God's present. You're not going anywhere. The presence of God allowed Jeremiah to proclaim boldly the punishment that would come to his enemies. Notice what he said. They're going to stumble. They will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed. They will not prosper. They would witness an everlasting confusion and never be forgotten because of that. You don't want to be remembered for that, do you? Of course we don't. Now here's something else. Remember, God's enemies may enjoy the wonderful things of this life temporarily. But let's go back to, was it worth it? Jeremiah, was it worth it? Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm in paradise. 
Was it as bad as you thought it was? Oh, doesn't even compare. Doesn't even compare. See, that's the, that's the uh, example, right? Paul said, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 8. Why? Because I endure. I've used Jeremiah as an example. You know, he read about Jeremiah. He knew all about him. He was a biblical scholar. There's a story told of Andrew Jackson's boyhood friends. They just couldn't understand how he became a famous general and then later on president of the United States. They said they knew of a lot of other men who were smarter, who were greater, who, whose talent was better, but they never succeeded in the way that Jackson did. One of his friends said, Why, Jim Brown, who lived right, uh, right down the pike from Jackson, he was not only smarter, but he could throw Andy three times out of four in a wrestling match. But look where Andy is now. Another friend, friend responded, How did there happen to be a fourth time? Didn't they usually stop after three, 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 and you're out? They said, Yeah, well, most people did. You're supposed to, but not Andy. He never admitted that he got beat. He said he would never stay throwed. Jim Brown would get tired, and then on that fourth time, Andy would throw him, and Andy would be the winner. You see, the thing that counts, it's not how many times you've been throwed. Do you stay throwed, right? People want to enjoy the blessings of God that he has reserved for Christians. But there's a process for that, right? You have to, you have, to have the fire that Jeremiah had. But we're not going to have that. There are going to be years like this year. There's going to be times when we think, well, I don't know, maybe it wasn't that bad, but we must never give up, never give in to the complaint, never give in to the restraint, but do the things that God has asked us to do. And that starts with being a Christian. We talk about all the time. We talk about the, the power of God unto salvation, the faith that comes with, with reading that word and understanding what that message is. We call that faith. It leads to repentance. It leads to confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and then living that confession, being immersed in water, having our sins washed away. Now, brethren, we need to tell people that. That's part of the message that we have to deliver. And then, of course, living faithfully, never giving up. Jeremiah wanted to quit, but he didn't. If you have need to answer the Lord's invitation this day, if you you feel like you've given up a little bit and you need to come back to him, do that as we stand and as we sing.